The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Andrew Martin. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ the King. I have the, the privilege of serving as our youth pastor, and it is uh, another privilege to welcome you to worship this morning. It is good to be with you, so thank you for joining us. And if you're a guest or a visitor this morning, I want to say welcome to you especially. I hope that you will feel welcome and that you will be encouraged uh, by the good news of Jesus that we're going to hear proclaimed this morning. So welcome. Our passage this morning is Psalm 131, uh, so I invite you to please turn there with me in your Bibles. And as you, as you turn there, you'll notice that the beginning of verse 1, it says, A Song of Ascents. Uh, psalm 131 is part of a, a group of psalms, Psalm 120 to 134, uh, and they're called Songs of Ascent because the people of God would sing them as they ascended, as they went up uh, to worship in Jerusalem. Uh, but these songs that they were singing, they weren't simply meant to pass the time on their journey or to fulfill some random religious obligation. Uh, these songs were meant to transform them. Worship, like the worship we're doing this morning, was meant to change them, to shape their hearts. And Psalm 131 was meant to, to shape and to transform them into people who were confident, not in themselves, not in their circumstances, but, but in the Lord, as they learned to, to trust in Him, even when their souls might be going through stormy times. So that is the, the, the theme we're going to be looking at this morning. So please, Follow along with me as we read Psalm 131 together. A song of ascents of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. The Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon once wrote that Psalm 131 is one of the shortest psalms to read, but one of the longest to learn. So let's pray and ask for God's help this morning as we study the psalm together. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of hope. Thank you that you are a God in whose arms we can rest like a little child with their mother. And so we pray, Lord, that you would use this word by your grace this morning to shape us into people who are able to know calm, who are able to know hope in you through your son, Jesus. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. So when I was a, a sailor on my first ship, uh, we would often sail through very rough seas. And I remember on one particular uh, day when the seas were particularly rough, I thought it would be a good idea to go into our gym and try to go for a run on one of our ship's treadmills. And uh, some of you are probably shaking your heads, and you'll shake them even harder uh, when I tell you that the gym was on one of the highest decks in our ship. And so we were way above the waterline, and if you know anything about physics, you can only imagine how this very high room was just like a roller coaster as our ship rocked back and forth in the sea, and as that motion threatened to just grab me and fling me into the gym wall <laughs> off the treadmill. 
Uh, and sometimes, as, as we would be going through seas like this, we would, we would climb up this mountain of a wave and just come sliming down the other side, and the whole ship would just, just shake like it was just going to come apart underneath us. Thankfully, it never did. Um, but there were other days when it got so rough. It got so rough, we would actually have to go over our, our ship's intercom system and tell everyone, hey, if you're not on watch, you need to go to your bed and you needed to strap yourself in. We had these, these special straps that would keep you from getting thrown out in the middle of the night if we hit rough waves. We'd say, this is not a recommendation, this is an order, go to your bed if you're not on watch. Because we don't want anyone to get hurt as they're trying to walk around the ship as we go through these rough seas. And friends, I tell you this story because like, like that ship, like my experience, we can get thrown and tossed around by very rough seas, by very rough storms in our souls. And we see that one of these storms that we can go through are storms of pride. The psalmist talks about this at the, uh, right in the second part of verse 1. Look with me there. He says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. These metaphors of, of lifting up the eyes, of lifting up the heart, these are metaphors for pride and for arrogance. And the psalmist is basically saying, Lord, I am not living in this way. I'm not lifting my eyes and raising my heart in a prideful, arrogant manner. But we all know that for us, the exact opposite is often true. Rather than, than turning from pride, our souls often storm with pride. I remember when I was in seminary, a, a professor was telling us a story. Oh, just lost. There it is. About a pastor who uh, was, that he was having a conversation with. He did not tell us their name. It was kept confidence. Uh, but he was telling me that, as, he was telling our class that as he was talking with this pastor, a third minister who was not present for the conversation came up in the conversation. Now, this, this minister who was not present was very well known. They become quite famous for their preaching and, and for their writing. And as they, were as they were discussing this famous man, this, this pastor said, I, I am just as smart and gifted as this person. I do not understand why I am not as famous as they are. And as, as the story was, was told to us, it was, it was very clear that this, this dear brother was going through a storm. They were going through a storm, and, and part of what was contributing to that was pride. Pride that, that seeks to exalt ourselves, that seeks to glorify ourselves over and above other people as we seek not their good, as we seek not the Lord's glory, but as we seek our own glory. And, uh, you know, the truth is this is something that we all wrestle with, but unfortunately some of us may not take it very seriously. We might think that like this, this conversation, hey, pride is, it's, it's not nice, but it's, it's, it's a hidden thing, it's private it's not going to hurt anybody. At least that's how, that's how I've thought about pride. That's how I've experienced pride in my own life. In St. Louis at the same time uh, when I was in this class, I was also uh, later on seeing a counselor for various storms in my own life that we were trying to sort through. And as I was in a session one, one afternoon, I sat down with my counselor and they looked at me and they said, you know, Andrew, I think, I think one of the storms you're going through is a storm of pride. I think you're wrestling with pride. And I remember when, uh, when I heard these words, my, uh, my soul actually made kind of a sigh of relief, like, oh, thank goodness, it's only pride. I thought you were going to tell me I was a monster. 
but then I went home, and I was, I was reading C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis talked about how pride is one of the darkest storms our souls can go through. And reading those words sobered me. And as, and as I was even preparing this sermon, I was looking through Scripture. What does Scripture have to say about pride? And it sobered me even more. As we, as we look at Scripture, we, we read in Proverbs 8, verse 13, where it tells us that the Lord, He hates pride. He hates arrogance. Proverbs 16, 18 tells us that pride goes before destruction. And in Jeremiah, the prophet in chapter 13 says that, that he, will, he will weep. He will weep because of Israel's pride. And then our, our Savior Jesus himself tells us in Mark chapter 7, Jesus tells us that pride is an evil thing that defiles us. Friends, this should jolt us all awake to realize that pride, that, that pride might be storming in our soul is far from any reason to say, oh, thank goodness, it's only pride. No, when, when we realize that storms of pride are brewing, we, sh we should be on our knees before the Lord saying, Father, please have mercy on me. Help me to turn from this pride. That is the, the heart attitude the psalm wants us to have because pride is not a storm we want to go out and play in. Pride brings chaos to our hearts and bitter sorrow to our relationships with ourselves and with other people. And so the psalmist seeks to steer us away from storms of pride, but he also seeks to steer us away from storms of presumption. Look with me at the last line in verse, uh, in verse 1. He says, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. When the psalmist speaks of things too great and marvelous, he is talking about things that we, we simply cannot understand as finite human beings. And we, we actually learn this truth in, in the Old Testament, another book in the Old Testament, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. The second half of that verse says that the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. But right before that, in the same verse, it sets a limit on our knowledge because it says while there are things that are revealed to us, it, go, it also says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. The, the psalmist is reminding us that there are questions that we have in this life to which we simply will not know the answer. And so he, he does not inappropriately presume that he has a right to understand these mysteries or that his faith depends on this understanding. Instead, in humility, he accepts the mysteries, he accepts the unknown secret things, and, and does not demand explanation. Now, there are, we, we, we need to be very careful with this teaching, because there are, there are actually many hard topics that Scripture says a lot of things about. We can know a lot about a lot of hard things. And so we need to be very careful that we don't pull out the mystery card prematurely before we, we fully uh, delve the depths of what Scripture says about it. And at the same time, while, while, we, while we seek to understand, while we seek to, to go through the treasure of God's Word, we also have to understand that there are going to be times when we have questions 
And the only answer we can give to those questions is, I do not know. This, this is a secret thing that does not seem to be revealed to us, and I do not know the answer. And at those points, it, it can be very easy for us to steer away from trusting the Lord with these unknown things. To steer away because they, they begin to stir up doubt in our hearts and in our minds about God's goodness. They can stir up doubt in our minds about God's wisdom. And we can, we can sail into a storm of presumption where we feel like our faith and trust depends on having these answers. So let me just, let me just pause and ask us for a second. What, what storms are we sailing through right now? What storms are you sailing through right now? Is it a storm of pride? Wherein seeking to exalt yourself other, other, over other people, you've brought, you've brought chaos into your own heart and, and to your relationships? Is it a storm of, of presumption? Are there, are there mysteries that you simply cannot accept that are bringing storms into your faith and relationship with the Lord? Going back to those, to those rough seas that we would sail through, it would be no surprise to you that, that we needed for those seas to be calmed. When the, when the sea was raging, we couldn't exercise. And many times we, we couldn't do our jobs. And we couldn't be together as a crew because we were separated from one another in our, in our bunks. We needed for the seas to calm down in order for the ship to sail the way it was designed, in order for us to function the way we were meant to function. And the same is true for these storms of our souls. We need them to be calm. We need calm seas so we can live the way God desires us to live, the way we were wired to live. And the good news of this passage is that like a lighthouse on the shore, the psalmist actually points us to how we can navigate into those calm seas. Look in verse 2. The psalmist says, These storms may rage, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. One commentator translates that when the psalmist says he has, he has calmed and quieted his soul, it's like he has smoothed down his soul. He says it's like he has, he has smoothed it down, made it, making it even and level, like the smooth surface of a, of a quiet and a peaceful lake. That's a pretty nice image to have, right? That would be a sight for sore eyes if you're coming out of, out of rough seas. And he goes on. He goes on to say that as he smooths down his soul, that his soul is like a child that has been weaned and is, is resting peacefully with its mother. Now, kids, some of you, and not just kids, uh, many of us may not be very familiar with this, with this term weaned. Like, what does that mean? Well, let me, let me explain it. The psalmist is talking about a little baby who, after it was born, uh, began to drink the milk that, it, that its mommy would make for it. And eventually, though, as it got older, the mommy would begin to teach this little baby, hey, we're, we're not going to eat, uh, we're not going to just drink my milk, we're going to start to eat solid foods. And so it would teach the baby to drink less and less milk and more and more solid food. Now, how do you think this little baby, as it, as it began to learn how to drink less milk and eat more food, how do you think it might have felt when it, when it was first held by its mommy and didn't get all the milk that it was wanting? Well, it probably stormed like a little thunderstorm. It probably kicked and cried and made all kinds of noise. But as, as the baby learned, as the baby grew, as it, as it was weaned, as it learned to drink less milk and more solid food, it would have begun to be, to be more calm. Now, we know this, 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 sometimes the babies still do cry. 
the psalmist is using an analogy here, but he's saying as the baby was weaned, it would have become more calm and content just being held by its mother. It would have been calm and content just present with its mommy. And that's what the psalmist is saying his soul is like. He has become like a calm, weaned child who is content just to be in his father's presence, trusting that just as a mother cares for its child, that God will care for, for it and take care of it. That is what the psalmist is saying it looks like. He has learned to be humble and content. And so if you remember one thing this morning, it is this, that calm for our stormy souls is found in humble trust and contentment with God. And as we learn this calm, humble trust and contentment, our souls are transformed into hopeful souls. Look in verse 3. He says, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. He's saying as, as we turn from pride and presumption and trust God to take care of us, we can have hope. We can have hope that comes from a soul that knows that God is going to care for it in all circumstances. And so it can wait. It can wait for that Lord's care. What, what would a calm and hopeful soul look like in action? I mean, these are, these are beautiful ideas, but what would it actually look like in real life? There was a, um, there's a young boy who, like, like many young boys, including myself when I was in grade school, was quite a handful uh, for their teacher. And uh, this, the, the man who was telling me the story, he's saying, when I was a young boy, I, I, was, I was very disruptive, and I made life pretty miserable for my teacher as I was in, as I was in her classroom. And uh, the teacher, you know, faithfully continued to, to, to guide and instruct and care for this, for this young boy, but it was a battle almost, almost every single day. Well, eventually, the school year mercifully came to an end, and this, this boy moved on to another class. Uh, but the Lord was not done with him. He continued to, to grow and to shape this young boy uh, who became less and less of a handful and became more and more like the hands and the feet of Jesus and to someone who did not bring misery to people's lives but who brought humble service to their lives. And as they reflected back on, as this man reflected back on all the ways the Lord had changed and shaped him over the years, he thought of his teacher and of how this, this dear woman had, had played a significant role in helping shape him into, into the man that he had become. And he wanted her to know. He wanted to encourage her. So he sat down and he wrote her a letter. And he told her about, you know, I'm sure he talked about the ways he had been and perhaps apologized. Uh, but he also talked about how the Lord had used her to change him. So he, he, he wrote the letter. He put a stamp on it, sent it out. And a few days later, he received a reply. But it, it wasn't the reply that he was hoping for. He, he received this letter. He opened it up and he read, Dear Sir, thank you so much for your kind letter. But we're very sorry to have to tell you that your teacher uh, passed away a few years ago. Thank you so much again for writing, and, and we wish blessings upon your life. This man, as he, as he received this news, and he thought of his teacher, and all the ways that she had been used to shape his life, he thought, she never knew. She never knew what impact she was having. She never knew how the Lord was actually working in the midst of this storming classroom that she was having to go through. And I imagine that as she, as she would teach this young boy each day, there were probably days where she'd be sitting at her desk and she'd see the class file into the room and see this boy coming in and she probably just wanted to 
rest her elbows on the desk and just put her head in her hands and just, oh, just sigh with exasperation, wondering, what good is this doing? Am I moving the needle in any way? And she may have even begun to feel a storm brewing in her soul as she, she questioned God's goodness and care for her, wondering if, if he was going to use her life in any significant way, especially with this young boy. But if she, if she knew the Lord, and I believe she did, she at the same time could have known hope and calm for that storm. She could have known that although it seemed like there was no good being done, that it seemed this storm and this, this misbehavior was just going to go on and on and on, no matter what she did, she could have known at the same time that while she might not know what impact she was having, God did, and that she could trust Him. And with that hope, with that trust, she would have been able to quite literally sail each day into the classroom with hope and continue faithfully teaching this young boy even if she knew that she might not ever see the results of it. Friends, what, what would look different as we entrusted these secret things where we are not sure how God is using our lives? What would look different as we, as we trusted him with them and hoped that although we might not know the answers, that God does and that he will take care of all these things? Some of you, you may be thinking, well, that, that sounds really nice, and I sure wish it could be so, but, but Andrew, you, you don't know just how stormy my soul truly is. And, and you, you may be right, I may not know that. And I may not know what kind of storms you're going through, but I do, know, I do know this, that many times the storms our souls go through are caused by deep pain. Some of us have gone through things that seemed not just mysterious, but, but completely senseless. We've gone through things that have shattered our hearts and we wonder how we could ever fully trust and be calm in the arms of a God who would allow these things to happen when we don't think we could ever understand why. Dear brother, dear sister, dear beloved child of God, it, it is true. It is true that, that our our Father calls us to trust Him even with these things. Yet, while some things are not revealed to us, God never, ever hides. He never hides His tender compassion and care for us. In Psalm 56, verse 8, we're, we're told that God cares so much about us that He puts our tears into His bottle. Our tender, loving God knows and He cares about every teardrop that has ever run down your cheek. And his love and his compassion spilled out for, for all the world to see as Jesus, the loving, tender God-man, felt tears pour down his own cheeks at the tomb of Lazarus as he mourned the loss of his dear friend. Friends, we, we don't get to have all the answers, but, but we do get to know the answer to some of the most important questions. Does God love us? Does he care about the pain we're going through? And as, as we behold the tear-soaked cheeks of Jesus, the answer we see is yes. Yes, he does see, and he does care. 
and he does love. And it is the same love from God shown to us through Jesus that makes it possible for us to know calm in our stormy souls. You know, I, I can't imagine how I could ever calm the storms in my own heart. And the truth is, I can't. I can't calm them, and, and neither can you. Kids, have you ever, have you ever uh, wanted to go outside, but you couldn't go play because there was a thunderstorm going on? Have you ever had trouble going to sleep because there was thunder and lightning coming through your window and it, and it was frightening? And you just wanted to, to go out and, and calm the storm down? How many of you were able to do it? How many of you were able to go outside and just grab that thunderstorm in both arms and wrestle it to the ground and calm it down? Anyone? I sure haven't. I never will. Because it's impossible for us. I quoted Charles Spurgeon earlier, and, and he rightly said this, Sooner may a man calm the sea or rule the wind or tame a tiger than quiet himself. Nothing but grace can make us quiet. And friends, the good news of the gospel is this, that God has given us this grace. He has given us this grace through the life and death and resurrection of his son, Jesus because Jesus was humble for our sake. In Philippians chapter 2, it tells us, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Friends, that truth is the only thing that can make us humble. The only thing that can make us content is that, that Jesus was humble. Jesus was so humble that he died the most humiliating death that was known at that time and probably ever. You, you may not know this, but when, when you were crucified, you were often crucified without any clothes. You were stretched out and completely exposed for all the world to mock and ridicule you, and that is exactly what happened to Jesus. And they even gave him a sign above his head to, to, to rub it in a little bit even more. Hail, you know, King of the Jews. That is the, the humiliating, disgraceful death Jesus died for us, so we would be forgiven. For every time we've ever stormed with pride, for every time we've ever stormed with presumption and shaken our fists at God, that is what we have received through Jesus' humble life. But not only that we would be forgiven, but also that we would be adopted. That we would be adopted as dearly loved children who are not only forgiven of sin, but also given the Holy Spirit to remind us that, that dear child, you, you do not have to storm with pride because your Father loves you and He will give you all that you need. You do not need to storm with presumption because God is taking care of you. And you can trust him even when you don't know the answers to everything that's going on. That is the hope that Jesus gives us. That is where we find calm for our stormy souls. It is Jesus who brings that calm to us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that, that you know. You know every tear we have cried. You know every storm we have trudged through. And yet you do not leave us alone, Lord, to be tossed about. You, through your son Jesus, you come to us and with mercy and grace offer us calm, offer us hope, offer us peace. 
as you invite us to trust you as a good and loving Father who will take care of us no matter what. And so we ask, Lord, that, that now and as we go out, that you would use these truths from your word, that your spirit would, would help them to sink deeply into our hearts. That just as those who sang these years ago, going up to Jerusalem to worship, were transformed, that we too would be transformed into people who can have trust and confidence and calm in your arms. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.